da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Brian Gill, what are we talking about this week? This week, we're talking about Alex Gibney's documentary, Steve Jobs, The Man in the Machine. Back at this again. Another yeah. another Gibney documentary. I know, the year of Gibney. Last year, we had the Reconnaissance. Now, this <laughs> is the gibney I don't know. I haven't come up with a cool name yet, but I'll, I'll work on it. Not to be confused with our year of Gib a few years ago, where the three of us <laughs> yeah. just talked very Exclusively Gib. listen yeah. to Bee Gees, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Living it up. If Alex Gibney could just release a new documentary every week, that'd yeah, be that'd cool. be great. We'll yeah. just do that. That'll just yeah. be the podcast from now on. If yeah, heard big things about this when Going Clear came out. Be like, we'll just wait till his next one. So it's going to be interesting to compare this to Going Clear. Yeah, which we all seem to enjoy the conversation that surrounded. Does anyone going know? Clear, and I'm setting this up for failure for lack of knowing. Does anyone know why the other two got HBO releases and this one did not? I don't know. I don't okay. know that. that well, we either. should look that so, up you're before, welcome, we, listeners. before we dive in. We have, yeah, we have some time to gather our thoughts before we <laughs> before we talk about this. Uh, I'm excited because this is not only going to be a good documentary to talk about, but this can also lead into our conversation about the Steve Jobs movie, the fictionalized version, I guess you could say, of yeah. Steve Jobs coming out later this year. That's already making the festival rounds and it's getting some uh, some buzz. So I'm sure there's stuff that they're not going to cover in the movie. Like I'm can guarantee yeah. you almost that there's 90% of the, what they talked about in the documentary that they're not going to mention in the movie. It's going to be very, hopefully a very small look at uh, the, the man that was Steve jobs. But uh, that gives us an opportunity to talk about it um, in the context of another film. So that's exciting. Yeah. Always good to talk uh, Gibney as well. So yes. rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let's, the filibustering begin. Brian, it's been an exciting weekend for you, I understand. <laughs> it has. It has. Have I, you recovered uh, yet? I have. I'm, I'm good to go. I I, uh, I, I, I forced Friday pretty hard, and uh, but yeah. it took me good thing it came on a three-day weekend, am I right? So I could uh, I could recover from, from all the excitement and just come back down from my high. So tell us about it. Tell us a story or two. Of, of your adventures at first of all explain force friday for, i've never heard of it until this year i'm assuming it's new but i think it's new yeah it's a so what happened was disney and all hasbro and all their various partners released they haven't released any new star wars stuff toys or games or memorabilia or whatever else uh for the last few months and it's just kind of been prepping for for this and so at midnight on uh, Friday, they released all the new stuff, and you could go to particular stores and buy said stuff, uh, and and all that fun time. So that's that's what I did. So I I'll be honest, I did not really know what was happening until about nine o'clock on Thursday night. I just wasn't really paying attention, and I hadn't been on Twitter too much, and. Uh, my wife pointed it out to me and I was like, well, I'm going to have to go do that. So me and our friend Jason went to a local target. Oh, Jason was there. Shout out. Jason went with me. Yeah. I was not going to do it by myself because I don't know. My nerdiness only goes so far, I guess. But, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I went, we, we went, we got in line at target. Yeah, It's way cooler that you invited. Dude. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty cool guys. I would say. (laughs) 
but in this crowd, we were pretty cool. Uh, no, we got there about 10 minutes before midnight and stood in line inside the lovely Target over in Richard's old neighborhood and uh, just waited until we could get to the things. And then we did. And then everything was gone. And uh, before we got to it, which was fun, I, I, I got a couple things for my kiddo. And we hung around and just looked at the new stuff. They were giving away four foot tall Chewbacca's. I was very close to winning, but I did not. So what, what that's did a you, bummer. Let me ask, what did you have to do to to win them? And was it a Chewbacca impression? Because you would have won that. <laughs> I would have killed that. Yeah, that would have been an easy win. No, it was just but a no, raffle. For, tell a side story. We were at uh, Comic-Con, and Brian and I are at the Carrie Fisher panel, basically two rows from the stage in the press area. And, uh, and so there's trying to stall because Carrie Fisher is an hour late in which we tell the whole story on our, we did a Dallas comic con episode earlier this year, kind of a bonus episode. Yeah. So just talking about our entire experience there, which is, is always fun to talk about your comic con-ness. Right. Um, but, uh, so they're stalling and they, I guess they said, let me hear your Chewbacca or something <laughs> like they, and then Brian just lets out this, this hundred percent screen accurate. Chewbacca roar. I was like, good. I thought he had rigged a Bluetooth in the back of his larynx. In the, in the well, Brian, Bluetooth we have, device. To, we have yeah. to hear this now. I don't, don't think it's as good as Kit just sold it to be. So now it sound, sound bad, but oh. uh, see, I didn't get a good growl on that. Yeah, you didn't. That wasn't us. So what did you have to do to win? Dude, it was just a raffle. I was oh. kind of bummed. So I had to wait outside for the person who won it so that I could beat them up and take it. But uh, So I did that and uh, came home with, with the bag of swag. And they, It was really cool, though. They were giving away fun stuff, and uh, all the staff was in like Star Wars-specific shirts. And it was very cool. I, was, I enjoyed the, the atmosphere, I guess. But then I spent the rest of the day on Friday – going around to various Walmarts and Targets and Toys R Us's and basically reliving my childhood. So that's healthy, right? That's that's what we need to do at 32. Yeah, so <laughs> how did you hear about this? Because I feel like I'm pretty plugged into the... Not, yeah, I mean, sweet Twitter. brag, but I'm pretty plugged into the Star Wars uh, rumors. I didn't even hear about the Force <laughs> Friday. Nonsense. Yeah, it was, it was on Twitter. Uh, Mark Hamill and Peter Mayhew were both tweeting about it. Uh, that Rancho Obi-Wan guy was doing he did like a lot of stuff with toys r us in new york i think and so that's i saw a bunch of stuff and then my wife pulled up the target ad or whatever she got an email or something from target talking about so we went to target it turns out we should have gone to toys r us or walmart they had a lot more stuff than target had um but you know wow you you learn so so did did you meet a lot of cool star wars fans what did y'all did y'all talk about the force awakens for an hour while you waited i'm sure you did we were probably you should have i know i I almost i i you know i downloaded snapchat so that i could snap Mm -hmm. chat i don't know what's the term what do i i think it's snap yeah so i could snap and uh and then I just didn't because I wasn't quite sure how to use the app because I'm old, as we've well established. And uh, so I didn't. But I, I probably should have periscoped. But no, we were only in line for like 10 minutes. And uh, it was it was the only inter- really interesting. There was one guy there in an Obi-Wan costume, which was fun. There was a lady there with a three-year-old who was just screaming the whole time because it's <laughs> mid, you know. And I was like, you know, I really want my kid to experience Star Wars, but this is not the time or place. But and the guy in front of us in line had he looked quite haggard, like he looked like he'd had a rough day. 
And I noticed that he was wearing a hospital bracelet. So either, I don't know, maybe like his wife was delivering a baby tonight and he just had to make it over to Target or he had just gotten out of the hospital or something. Like it was a fresh hospital bracelet, but he was there just, you know, totally committed. So that's incredible. Yeah. Go Star Wars. Uh, Brian, do I have permission? And I'm going to ask you, do I have permission to tweet out the picture that of your haul from Force Friday <laughs> on our account? Because yeah, I, I, it's I incredible. Might, I, you I sent really, it to me and I was like, is this like your wish list or is this dude, like what you I actually bought, got? Yeah, I got ton. I, I bought I bought several hundred. No, you've, got a hun- you've got at least a dozen Funkos and then you've got like 12 other figures it looks like and – yeah, wow. something like that. I came on with a lot, and I, I'd gone back many times. The more interesting so. – the reason I wanted to talk about this is the more interesting conversation is just the marketing for The Force Awakens, which we're now yeah. 99 days away from, I believe. <laughs> we need to count count it down like a drinking song uh, every <laughs> podcast. Do you think this is is good, the, the marketing to release the toys this early for everyone to know, I guess, the characters and, yeah. and, yeah. and all that? I think that's – it's a little spoilery. I'm not going to lie to do the it, whole thing. Uh, it is. I think it is. They've been, I feel like they've been pretty good about like, there was a Darth Vader figure, a new one that was, and I was like, wait a second, like that, you can't do that. Cause that, you know, but they were very clear on the packaging of like everything else said force awakens, except for, uh, the Vader. And there was a Luke Skywalker from, uh, return of the Jedi that, uh, that were just labeled with their, the movies that they're in, not, force awakens so i was like okay um that that helps but no i i think it's very smart and the, the deal is they're going to release more as they go there's another wave that comes out next week i think and there's more in october and then I mean, like there's just going to be maybe not every week but every other week or so there's going to be something that something new that comes out in the collectible world and just i think they're just going to slowly not that Star Wars needs to build buzz, but that's exactly what's going to happen. I with think the, the buzz would have been after they released the movie to release the toys like a month later. I think the buzz would have been oh, 10 you got times. Yeah, I don't people know. People would have known what they were, wanted really bad. Now it's just kind of like, oh, it's from the new movie. But, just kinda, yeah. yeah, but but what it's going to be now is you're going to get both sides of that. You're going to get people that just are going to just buy anything they can get their hands on. And then come movie time, after they see the movie, then they're going to be like, you know what? I didn't get this. I really want to get this character because I love yeah. whatever, Kylo Ren, and I've got to get all the stuff. So it's I don't think it matters. They could have released it. I think they could have released it like – three months ago and it would have been i'm just surprised my whole point was i'm just surprised in the jj abrams world that we live in Mm -hmm. that he would want this this early i mean yeah it's it's, we're 99 we're less than 100 days away but i mean still it's early to say here's all the characters and you can literally have them in your house and yeah before you know we've even seen the second trailer so uh, we know nothing about most of the characters like and everything all the packages but no but i found out inadvertently found out about them through the the people tweeting the toys because it's like oh this is x character and they're the most important person in the rebel alliance and all this you know sure and i'm just i've been able to avoid that stuff i guess i haven't i really don't know too much uh I've, i've done really well at avoiding any kind of actual detail Anyway, dude, it was a lot of fun, yeah. And I and I picked you up a couple of pieces of swag, so uh, you know. I will uh, promptly yeah. sell for a profit. Oh, yeah, and, exactly. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> Thanks. No, yeah, I'm I'm glad you could do that because I couldn't fight the crowds. And yeah, you're a brave soul. It really wasn't bad. I was I was I was surprised. Uh, the, the I didn't have to. Uh, I've been to some crazy. 
I used to do like the Black Friday thing for whatever. I don't really don't know why at this point in my life, but and it was I literally saw two people actually get into a fist fight over a DVD copy of The Green Mile one time. And so, <laughs> but I, it was cool. It was fun to be a part of the. I was there more for the environment than anything else, and um, and it was that was fun. It's fun to share the to be a part of the sharing of just total nerdiness like that. I guess. What else we got for movie news this week? Well, we could talk about a, a dark, you know, something sad if you want. Always. We never touched on it before, so. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And that would be the, the passing of one Wes Craven. Yes. Terrible. Uh, the master of horror? What do we, what, what, what do we, what have we dubbed him? I think the master of modern horror. Okay. Believe it or not, his given, his birth name, Wes Craven, seems like a nom de plume of a, <laughs> does. a, of a horror director, but uh, it's his, his given name. Wow. How bad does Quentin Tarantino feel right now? Because he did that, uh, I guess, was it GQ? Or uh, something? I think it was... Uh, was it Esquire? I don't yeah, know. I think it was Esquire. I'm not sure. I'll look it up. No, but... it was Vulture or something like that. It was one okay. of those online Yeah, it was New York Magazine, magazine which, is, which owns Vulture. That's what... Yeah. Yeah, he basically kind of ripped Wes Craven for... He, he said he loves horror, but he hates Wes Craven's movies, and he <laughs> he thought Scream could have been good if... Somebody else had done it and all this, and then like a week later, he died. <laughs> it's probably just like, oh man, you know, because like one of the last like things yeah. his he was in the news for is because Tarantino was kind of uh, uh, giving him a hard time. But man, what a what an impactful uh, filmmaker! I loved Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I yeah. love that series, and it was a shame that they rebooted it. I understand why they would and did. Sure, but um, man, what an influential guy and Scream like scared the crap out of me when i was oh yeah, yeah. that age so yeah <laughs> it's, yeah nightmare on elm street is probably directly responsible for my my dislike of horror movies <laughs> just because it just freddy krueger freaked me out so badly as a kid and this is a you know the nature of horror movies because of technology and um you know what 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 scares us as we progress further as a species they 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 look cheesier as they get older more than any other movie or genre of film, yeah. but Nightmare on Elm Street is like a ninety-four percent Rotten Tomatoes movie. Like that was a very critically hailed film in its time. Though Brian and I are not horror aficionados, you know, I think it would be silly to not include that in, uh, you know, one of the pantheon films ever. And so, mm-hmm. regardless of what you think of maybe his uh, oeuvre as a whole, you know, he's made one at least one great movie, and uh, that's to be celebrated. And and uh, a, a, a trillion others that are, you know, probably good, yeah, uh, to most people. So, yeah, I mean, that's a huge loss for uh, for film. Probably best work was behind him, but that you know, that, so it's not like he lost him in the prime of his artistic life, but but still very sad. Sure. And someone people seem to really like uh, like uh, working with. Yeah, yeah, I think he was well liked. So. Scream, you you mentioned that one too, Ken. That one that I think that's one of the better horror movies of the last whatever, you know, two decades. Um, did you see Scream that, Four a couple years ago? I did. Actually pretty I fun. Did, I did I not enjoy that one, but I thought I, I thought Scream was Scream messed me up as as a Scream, teenager. Scream four was not nearly as demented as Scream. Like yeah. the original Scream, like that was in the time I was babysitting a lot and like doing all, that whole thing. And it, the first scene is just a babysitter getting slaughtered. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe, yeah. um, 
Yeah. You shouldn't uh, watch this one. Yeah. That one messed me. me up because of the, I don't, can I, can you spoil a movie that's 19 years old? I don't know. That's the statute of limitations is expired on the spoiler. <laughs> okay. alert. That one messed me up because of the two killer thing. Like I had yeah. in my mind, like I can always run. Like if I can't fight this thing off, I could always run. And then no, you can't really run when there's two of them. Cause the other one's in the back, right? It's just going to, you run right into the, to Matthew Lillard and he either stabs you or poorly acts you to death. I don't know. But um, yeah, that, that was a hallmark scary movie of, of i think probably for all of us our, our teenage years Wes craven will be missed that's for sure who's going to step up who's going to st- step up to the plate who's the big next director of horror movies i, I don't know i think i think because it's it's easy for most of these guys to do a one-off you know for somebody to do a blair witch project or a paranormal activity you know but uh Wes craven did multiple horror movies before he did scream or nightmare on elm street like hills have eyes and swamp thing and others so yeah uh who can bring us multiple things multiple branches in which to bear fruit you know what i'm sure. saying so sure. uh, i'm man i think that's james wan is kind of the go-to new horror director if, M. Night Shyamalan. From, from an outsider's perspective since i'm not I think M. Night Shyamalan is going towards <laughs> towards campy horror. The Visit is coming back. He's making a comeback. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. What else we got? Is that it for movie news? Uh, that's all the big stuff. Okay. Let's move on and let's talk about uh, Steve Jobs. Working in this garage, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak built the first Apple computer board. It was the magic. We could influence the world. Hello, I am Macintosh. I'm going to actually let one of you guys start this one off. I'm going to start with Richard, who, by the way, is in the tech industry and has a tech experience. So excited to hear your thoughts, Richard. And uh, we'll start this off with general thoughts. Yeah, so I read the uh, Walter Isaacson Isaacson, Steve Jobs book, um, or listen to it rather. I think I audio booked it. Uh, like whatever that, yeah. whenever that came out three years ago, probably, I think it was like 2012. Really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I do happen to work in technology. Um, now I, in for, I've worked for a few different tech companies from small to big and everything in between. Um, but I didn't grow up with, I, I like technology and I use computers. I was always interested in my, uh, cellular phone, but I was not by any means a techie. Um, I didn't write computer programs. I, I didn't really even idolize uh, technologists. I had friends that uh, were, you know, in the 90s were infatuated with Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and then later on with, with uh, Elon Musk. You know, <laughs> Elon Musk and Zuckerberg and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
all, all these people. Um, but for me, you know, I, I was aware of what they did. I was aware of all of that, but I never really had that driving interest. But I read the the Jobs book, and I always found him interesting because of, and this in this documentary touches on it. You know, the fact that he really wasn't a technologist. He was he was certainly a visionary and a leader. Um, but you know, kind of, as he often you know myth, myth mythalized himself. It's not a word, but I'm gonna make one. Uh, <laughs> mythologized. Yeah. Mythologize. I like mythalized. Okay, I can't. <laughs> okay. So let's stick to Sorry, it. Sorry, English major. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but the myth that he created around himself was this of like a poet and an artist and in the, in the the spirit of Apple is certainly um you know the, especially initially was the kind of artist computer created with design and art uh instead of just functionality and uh and all that and it's it, and they've certainly carried that on now as you know the biggest technological or one of the biggest technology companies in the world uh so jobs is interesting to me because of that because he seems to have figured his way into it. And I read the book and I really liked it. Walter Isaacson's incredible. I'm looking at a, a Benjamin Franklin, Walter Isaacson book right there. He's, he's the best biographer uh, out there, along with him and Morris probably like in the world. So it's a great book. Highly recommend it. Uh, but th- this movie, uh, you know, to, to see a lot of the stuff that I'd read about a few years ago um, was, was interesting. But the, the, the thing that stuck with me, and I, I should say, I love this movie. Um, the, the thing I should say is that, um, you know, it, the the interesting thing is seeing these interviews of, of young Jobs, who, by the way, if only Ashton Kutcher could act because he is perfect. <laughs> he is perfectly yeah, yeah. cast. It's uncanny yeah, how much he looks like young Steve Jobs. If, if he was at all an actor, that probably, you know, that would have been uh, not a horrible choice. But, but alas. Um, but uh, in the trucker hat in the entire last act of that movie was weird. <laughs> um, but no, but. The uh, seeing young jobs really, really on the record in front of you at, you know, 18 and 22 and 30 essentially described to you the, the present state of our interactions with these machines is incredible to see. And, you know, even if this in this in this documentary certainly has a very defined narrative and that's what I like about it. But even if it didn't, even if it was just sort of a. Uh, you know, a, a combination of these interviews and, and vignettes of, of jobs describing that it's, it's jaw dropping in a way to have all that in front of you. I thought, and, and, yeah. and incredible, the vision that this man has, and it's very nitpicky about him personally and even professionally. And we'll get into that. And I think fairly so uh, in a lot of ways, but, uh, but you can't take that away from him ever that he knew like somewhere he, you know, the enlightenment piece of him, he was enlightened uh, w- philosophically to our relationship with technology. He understood what we were all craving and what we needed, whether or not that's good for humanity is, is certainly debatable, but what we crave from these machines and, and he catered to that more than anybody else. And he's become a, he will be an American, you know, a, a Thomas Edison type, a historical figure because a, he had the vision, but B, he was smart enough or, or conceited enough to create that myth about himself. And some of it is after the fact, but a lot of it was before the fact. And it's, it's really interesting to watch that kind of legend grow in this movie. So I'll stop talking. I'd love to hear what you guys thought, but that's, those are kind of my, my initial thoughts. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, I'm the least techie of the three of us. Um, 
you know, I have, I've had iPhones for years and, but that's kind of the extent of my, uh, my general, uh, techiness. And I probably knew, knew less about Steve Jobs, uh, going into this documentary than, than definitely, definitely knew less than, than either of you two. Um, so it was very interesting to me to see, uh, all the behind the scenes stuff, obviously I'm with you, Richard. It was, it was really, it was almost eerie to see him in his younger days, uh, almost prophesying in a way, in a way like of what was to come, uh, and, and where he and his company, the direction that they were going to take. It was very, very odd, very, I mean, great filmmaking, uh, but very, almost uncomfortable in some ways. Like it was Absolutely. just, it the was whole documentary is eerie. And I, 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 Danny Boyle has to be a little tick. This came out because that, yeah, the idea of an eerie Steve jobs movie, though it will certainly be amped up in that at least won't be original. When yeah. That that's totally true. Um, it, that will be very interesting to see what it'll be interesting to see how the, uh, the Danny Boyle movie, how it handles, I mean, it's not like they can do too much about it now, but but I, I guess I'm more interested to see like the reception to it after people have already seen this documentary. Like, is that going to hurt that's its award I, chances yeah. and things like that? That, that was the point I'm I, very curious about. That's what I was talking about earlier. Is I think that it'll be more secluded. When the fact that we we talked about it on the show when the movie was coming out, it's like yeah, it's going to be. Sorkin said it's three scenes. It takes place at three different keynotes, so it's right. basically three. I don't know drawn out uh, dialogues or, or what, but I hope it meets that structure and doesn't try to touch all these touchstones of his life. Like the documentary. Oh, same. Did. Yeah. So yeah. that's why that, I'm excited. We have this and the, the new movie to yes. talk about because yes. I'm sure the new, new movie will talk about just the drama and, and the personality of Steve. This is what we can talk about his accomplishments and whether we think he um, really did change the world. Like sure. he, he claims yeah. to have had and, and like his goal was set out. So right. that's if the that, conversation I want to have is the yeah. impact of, of jobs. And if that film is is good or great, then then this is kind of the perfect combination. Like sure. I, I exactly. mentioned on when I was reviewing Straight Outta Compton last week of like I'm not – I don't like biopics in general because I think they're too sprawling and they try to get – they try to squeeze yeah. every ounce of information into two or two and a half hours and I'm, and I'm much more interested flatter, in the documentary. Yes. Absolutely. And a lot of times to flatter the – Act the subject, the actor to give them right. the chance to say you get to play them at twenty two and at fifty two, yeah. And like this makeup department, right? Like right. for just no reason, half these movies have to sprawl a lifetime. Exactly. Yeah. So um, to to be able to say within the span of a of a month or so, we're going to get the you know pretty much the definitive Steve Jobs documentary, followed by a biopic written by one of the two or three best writers in the industry when he's on his game. If that truly does hold hold to the idea of just we're we're only gonna we're basically gonna drop into Jobs' life at three different places, those two things, these two movies should go hand in hand beautifully and make a kind of this one incredible cohesive whole in a way. Um, I I hope that that's what we what we get because man, that movie has a lot to live up to based on as far as this documentary goes cuz this was again, I knew less than much less than either of you two going in. Um it was very insightful and uh and and really gave a lot. It provided a great deal of information and there's almost zero flattery <laughs> being handed out in this in this this documentary. Yeah. And, and it, I greatly appreciate the very authentic, I think, way in which Gibney approached it. Sure. And and Ken, I, I want to hear your thoughts in a second. 
I, you know, let the irony not be shown in, in some credit given Apple is the, is at least two of us watched this on iTunes. Like, yeah. And it's one of the exclusive distributors of this film. Like, I think Apple is so. I think I, I really think they were against this documentary coming out, and but, I it was it was not featured on the front page of iTunes, which true. you would think a exclusive documentary like this it was only on iTunes and in a couple of theaters. Yeah, they would have they would have promoted that. I don't think they wanted people to know some of the dark dark I guess darker secrets. I mean, for for Apple people, the people that follow Steve or whatever or the Apple ecosystem knew about all most of this. Um, yeah, I think you know. Apple is. Certainly not going to promote, but I think they are comfortable with that myth. I think they're they've come to a point where oh sure sure, but I, I don't think they wanted gone, to promote it yeah. like Apple presents you know yeah. an exclusive like they're, I'm sure they're fine with it, but they didn't want to make it like and he's prominent. Become, I I think at least the most obvious version of a historical figure in our lifetime, right? And right. so. Uh, and others will will you know obviously history suggests I think that there's few there's a few presidents that it might argue with that right but. right absolutely but you know in the private sector certainly like yeah. the main historical figure of our lifetime when people talk about the information age and I think you know um, you know uh, a grander version you know Thomas Jefferson owned slaves um, and, <laughs> and, and and stuff like yeah. that I think I mean I think as as history goes on people are comfortable with the fact that. Um, people that are accomplished are oftentimes um, other words that starts with a, you know, and so yeah. that you know you you have that those things are not mutually exclusive. And as we kind of go down that road of history, and, and and you're able to see Steve Jobs in context and Apple's place in context, you can become more comfortable with the fact that yeah, probably wasn't a great dude, probably wouldn't want to hang out with him, but was essential to this modern experience of life yeah and and uh that's okay you know in a, in a weird way uh so i think the movie that's what i got you know while they're certainly fair in in with jobs corporate and personal life the way it's presented is this is all true but i'm never going to take away from the fact that he accomplished x y and z or at least inspired other people to accomplish x y and z because it's exactly it's weird right as I mean, he didn't he didn't code anything. He he couldn't draw. You know, he never drew anything out really too much. He would just say, "I like that. I don't like that. I want it to be rounded." You know, those are the kind of notes he would give, and this vision would come to life. And when he it was it was the uh, the uh, the definition the Stewart Judge uh, Justice Stewart definition of pornography. I, I'll know it when I see it, kind of thing. With yeah. the, he invented, and uh, and that's interesting. Ken, but please, what are your thoughts on the, yeah, on the film? Yeah, no, I was just going to elaborate on that real quick. I think a lot of the result came from the fact that he put people through that, you know? Like, he, the fact that he demanded the most out of people, you know, people Diamond only... philosophy, right? Yeah, I mean, he got... It's because he wanted great things out of people. And, like, mm-hmm. do you think the iPhone would have been what it was if he wasn't as hard on people as he was? I don't think it would have been, you know? So I'm glad yeah. he was a stickler like he was in, in those aspects and hard to work with because... Um, we got what we got, you know, um, I would, I would rather him be that way than be a pushover and it to be mediocre or not to have worked or whatever, you know? So, um, his, he, there was a, definitely a method to his madness, I think. And, it's uh, the greater good phenomena, right? Exactly. It's, you're fine with it because you didn't have to sit in that room with him. Oh, exactly. But exactly. that's, none of us did no hard, you know, less than 1% of people did. So it's definitely for the greater good that he was kind of a jerk. 
So, yeah, no, I, what I did know before watching it was that I liked watching him, um, growing up on doing his keynotes and, um, man, what a blessed time we lived in or fortunate time where we got to witness it, you know, um, because it was a revolution when, when it, you know, remember the, in 07 when watching the, um, the iPhone mm-hmm. keynote. And I remember going back and watching the iPod one when I was in high school, but, uh, the iPhone one, I remember because, um, we were all out of high school whenever, you know, um, I yep. can't believe like out of high school, I didn't have an iPhone. Like I had another phone between, like, it feels weird that I was a F an adult with like a flip phone. See, I like, was I, a, I didn't have AT&T, so I couldn't go to the iPhone. Oh yeah. Until, yep. I dropped my, Same I dropped thing. my contract for the iPhone. My four at the four S <laughs> was my first iPhone. Wow. I think I had the 3S, maybe. The 3G? 3G, yeah. The, the, yeah, I think that was right. Because I was the same way. I was on Sprint until forever, and I couldn't get it. So. You just like that push-to-talk? That yeah. Boop, the walkie-talkie functionality? <laughs> exactly, the Nextel bit. I was yeah. on Boost Mobile, and I had to drop my <laughs> yeah. contract. And yeah. uh, I'm still on Cricket, but, you know. Yeah. I had, well, that's funny, because I had ESP on the phone. <laughs> and uh, remember that? <laughs> yes. Talk about stretching. My boss now, currently, um, was instrumental in, in selling ESPN on that idea. So, <laughs> thanks nice. for that, Gary Benice. Hey, but also, big shout to Mark, by the way. Subscriber. Uh, subscribe tonight in my presence. Uh, in a, a guy worked with uh, my girlfriend's dad, talked about the podcast tonight in Fantasy Football Draft. He said I should just subscribe if I give him a shout-out tonight. So, shout-out to Mark. Awesome. Shout-out. Uh but man, what a crazy time it was when it happened. And, um, I think people like to point to that and the iPhone and an iPad and, and just say there, if, if that's all he did or he brought us these things, but I mean, it's the work that he did before that, that <laughs> for 20 years, that's most underappreciated and should be most talked about. I mean, he started the whole business, you know, sure. not, he's like, he didn't just make up a phone. Uh, and that, and that, that and that's, what's funny. And it says more about our society as present than it does about him but that is totally our i have a dream that iphone thing yeah sure uh <laughs> it's our gettysburg address and it's our <laughs> whatever and like that's terrible i don't i don't i'm not equating it with those <laughs> wonderful speeches but that is like a defining you know um uh, things were never the same after that and yeah it's, it's no it's weird to say that time. but it's true yeah yeah totally i remember watching that and being bewildered by the I iPhone. I was blown away. I was yeah. absolutely, I was absolutely, and nothing has come touched. Like the iPad yeah. didn't come close and the subsequent iPhone things because there was always that, you know, they're all somewhat based around that iPhone software that, you know, those icons and, you know, the, while it's certainly been cleaned up and is even more beautiful now, but seeing that for the first time and seeing how you could pinch things and like very much, it was, inter- no, it was how it. he sold it was just so yeah crazy. A- and, and part of this documentary that was, I found interesting was the guy that, uh, was in charge one of the people that was in charge of executing the presentation for the iPhone, and he was just talking about the how they, yes, how, that they, was they were taking shots every every <laughs> little th- demonstration that Steve did because they didn't think any of it was going to work, and it all worked. So, yeah, that guy was that was a really interesting. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad some people were cooperative in in talking to, on the camera about him, you know, yeah. ex employees yeah. and such, because there was one gentleman i forgot his name who was talking about um the fact that he went to palm pilot or or something it was that same guy it was the same guy okay yeah he went to palm and steve said 
I will end you literally, you know, yeah. if you come back or take anybody from Apple or whatever, uh, I will literally end you. And then he goes into, I mean, of course, Steve's not here anymore, but I mean, he's able to talk about it, which was, I mean, that's what we need to find out more about who the person he was is to speak with the people that worked with him. The other really interesting one was that lead engineer from the mid eighties. Bob, Bell- Bob Bellevue. Yeah. I, yeah, I actually wrote I pre- his name down. Hypercritical of Jobs that he lost his family and his kids and everything. Yeah, and that Jobs was terrible to him in his most miserable three years. He of his lost. Life. He lost his wife and uh and kids. Yeah. Like they they like he left everything for yeah. And then and and talks about how it was a miserable experience because Jobs was so cruel to him. And then as he starts talking about Jobs dying, starts sobbing. Yeah, like yeah. what a con- you know the whole movie's about contradictions, and that was the emotion that Jobs brought out of people. Which is you would think it was people um, could not deal with him, but for some reason loved him, and and it's a theme, especially in that Isaacson book, all throughout his life. It was insanely difficult, and none of it ever made sense. But you know, there were college professors that would just let him come in and sit in their class, even though he wasn't enrolled in the school at all. You know, you can audit classes a lot, but he was exclusively auditing classes, and these professors was like, I just liked him. I felt bad for him. You know. <laughs> It's just like this weird thing, this power yeah. he had of people. It's it's uh, that's the most cult like thing. You know, talk people talk about the Apple cult. That is that's a gift that cult leaders have. And and he has that. He used it for much better. Like, <laughs> but he has that whatever that weird thing is, he has that. Yeah. Or had that, rather. Yeah, and they didn't talk a lot in this about his obsession with industrial design and typography and things like that. Yeah. And how his whole his whole viewpoint on what technology is and should be. They really tried to touch more on the spirituality of products and mm-hmm. why do we like what we like? And he, he has a quote that he says, um, he said, there's another side of the coin. It's the same thing that makes people want to be poets instead of bankers. I believe that that same spirit can be put into a product. So they talk a lot about, uh, the, the subconscious aspect of why we like what we like. But I think there was more like, black and white things on no it has to be this shape or you know everyone says rounded corners rounded a rounded rectangle is the apple shape like you know Mm -hmm. every product they have is rounded you know the ipod the iphone and all the icons on the iphone and and such um but there you know there are certain guidelines that he he abided by just simple design guidelines that he abided by that they didn't really go into that here and oftentimes and and that's changed later you're in apples it's become much more sophisticated as a company but oftentimes is Oddly brilliant thing, which is so adverse, especially as someone who deals with software engineers on a day-to-day basis. He he always he would he would choose design at the expense of functionality. Sometimes, right? That's insane in technology. Never do that, right? Right. The whole the whole Windows companies, you know, Microsoft is entirely built, you know, on the opposite functionality at all costs. What can we make this machine do? I don't care what it looks like. What can it do? Mm-hmm. You know, and Jobs was. Smart enough that he understood that consumers would end up, you know, are 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 your end product. You know, you're, you, these are the people interacting with your machine, and they want to know how it feels, and they're only going to do X amount on it, you know, and so it has to feel right and look right, and they'll fall in love with it. It was about beauty, yeah. Um, and now, you know, you know, I, I'm I'm using a MacBook Air right now. It's on my lap. I mean, it's one of the best computers out there. So now it's design and functionality. The thing about this, but, where. For a while, it was so much design. Yeah, we are recording the show on my iMac to then edit on GarageBand and put it on to iTunes for people to download on their iPhones. I mean, like, 
I mean, all this, all this th- that we're literally doing is possible because of, you know, a, a few uh, tweaks to a design. So, I mean, I actually started with, with Apple products because of their recording software. And yeah. I think he, they, they as a company and Steve really understood artists and mm-hmm. that, you know, he, he uses the example of, uh, in this one, by the way, they had a lot of interesting footage and, and interviews that I hadn't even seen. You know, I've gone back and watched mo- a lot of Steve Jobs, like old footage on YouTube and things over yeah. the years. And there's a lot that I hadn't seen. So I really appreciated it. I don't know where, I mean, I guess he went to the Steve ar- family or the archives or whatever and reached out to the right sources. Cause there was a lot of great content, um, aside from the narration and the people they interview. But, um, anyway, he was talking about that and he just talks about, even on the earliest Mac, just watch a kid um, play on it, you know, and you'll see their imagination come alive. And, and it's crazy to to think, you know, now kids have iPads when they're two years old. I mean, we complain about that, but I mean, the fact that they know how to use it at two is is unbelievable, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they could figure it out, um, but man, they they definitely understood that. And and he was definitely selling. He 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 was a salesman more of a of the experience than the functionality. That's for sure. And that was interesting to see here. Uh, Brian, anything that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's interesting how brilliant people can't, <laughs> kind of can't function amongst other people. You know, sure. I mean, we see that time and time again. Um, Steve Jobs was a just a complete a-hole <laughs> most of the time. Mm-hmm. And and to most people and and you see the way that he interacted with his daughter and that's especially um brutal to me and and but but that's kind of that's typical i mean that's what happens you know um you know john lennon was a terrible father and and terrible to most of the people in his life throughout most of most of his life and people adore him he's beloved you know uh i've said before like the world is really lucky that <laughs> That Michael Jordan is really good at basketball because he could have been the world's greatest serial killer if if not because he's just <laughs> such like he's a sociopath. I mean, it, it just it, he is. You can't be that uh, competitively yeah. wired and be normal. It's just I not think we possible. can all agree he'd be a better serial killer. Than <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so it's it, this. It's really interesting how how very upfront Gibney and his crew were on. Uh, we're just. Not only are we going to put, we're not only are we going to really highlight who Steve Jobs was as a person, the good and and many times the bad. They kind of let him in a, in a way. They kind of let him hang himself with the video that they used of just like there were so many times where you're like, yeah, that guy. I mean, his keynotes are amazing, and then you get the. Uh, more behind the scenes stuff, and you're like, man, that guy's such a jerk, you know. And um, it's interesting the way that they were, that Gibney was able to put that together. And it, it, really, more than anything, it's the psychology of brilliance is fascinating to me. And uh, and I so I I, I appreciated yeah. how this was so well put together. And we've seen, uh, you know, the it's it's great that he was able to function because we see so many more. Like the Kurt Cobain documentary mm-hmm. and David Foster Wallace is very similar of of like they were so brilliant that they couldn't handle it and and couldn't handle the fame, couldn't handle their time, couldn't handle um, 
the feeling of emptiness despite how much they had succeeded. It's it's and jobs it doesn't seem he was driven and and he was able but he was able to i think maybe because it because there's more of a conceited element to it of that he could see how successful his work had been you know i, well, I, I don't I think know it's, he's a unique case in that like he was in, yeah he was comfortable in success and i agree with your premise brian but because he was so bad interpersonally it's from what it seems but sure. it's weird because a lot of times that comes with and what makes him so unique and so, yeah, distinctly brilliant was a lot of times that inability to relate um, to people on a one-on-one makes you not not understand people as a whole. This is a man that understood people as a whole incredibly. Sure. And every and their wants and needs and aspirations and Absolutely. and uh, and you know the ways in which we organize our brains. This guy understood humans much like you know Brian understood you know. <laughs> Uh, you know about more about the the Mavs than anybody I know, but you probably couldn't go out and play NBA basketball. I mean, you're <laughs> right. a good basketball player, but you couldn't play in the NBA, right? Maybe um, Sweden. We've talked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have talked about that. But you know, every he knew, you know, uh, almost in a sociopathic way what yeah. people wanted. It's weird. It's like it makes him uniquely, uh, uniquely genius in a lot of ways. And that's what, that's what I was saying earlier. I just wish I knew what Apple thought about things. Uh, there's a couple of books out there that try to delve into the design of Apple products and why people like them and all that. I just wish, I wish I knew like what, the, what those meetings were like and, and mm-hmm. why they do certain things the way they do them. And there was a little insight here about the iPod, which I found interesting. And uh, really none of this would be possible without the iPod. I mean, that saved yeah. Apple. It yeah, really did. Totally. And, and I didn't know that he was uh, obsessed with the Walkman like he was. But that was that, interesting. That was cool. That, that was the first technolo- technology technology product to sell a billion units or whatever it was. So, um, wow, un- unbelievable um, where where it came from and where it, where it is now. But yeah, I don't think any, that any of this would have happened without that the the iPod and and they do talk a lot about that in the in the biography, Richard, the the Isaacson book. Which you, everyone yeah. should read. Very interesting, and they didn't they didn't touch on a lot of stuff here that I I wish they would have, like the Samsung stuff, uh, the fact uh, the war with Google. They didn't really touch on that a lot. That was that occupied a lot of Jobs' later years, and, right? Um, but they did touch on the Gizmodo uh, yeah. controversy. What did you think about that, Richard? I thought you would be interested in that little piece. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's crazy. The the one guy has the best line, uh, the the Frenchman that says, you know, this is a man that was six months away from dying and he knew he was, you know, there's no way he didn't know he was on some level. And he was choosing to kind of pick this battle. You know, it tells you all you need to know about him, that he was so focused on whatever that goal was. And he decided that that goal was to kind of crush those guys um, for, for, you know, the portion of the film where the, someone finds a, was it, was it an iPhone 4S, a 4 yeah, a five. One of those. It was, it was a, a mid. It was a four. I think. I think it was the iPhone four. It was the first major redesign okay. of the iPhone. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. It's the iPhone four. Someone finds an iPhone four in the bar. They tip Gizmodo. Gizmodo brings it in, does a spec review of it. Jobs calls and says, "I want my phone back." You know, but they kind of play this catch thing, and then he 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 gets the phone back, and then you know uses this essentially technology task force in Silicon Valley to raid these guys' homes and, and basically just kind of bully them. Yeah, and it's a crappy thing to do. Um. <laughs> But the yeah the Frenchman says who's one of the editors there uh, one of the bo- or managers says 
you know, this is somebody that knew he was going to die, and, and he's picking with the, he's picking on our little blog because he decided that th- we threatened, you know, whatever goal he had in Apple. What a weird, weird man! <laughs> and uh, and it's that part was 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 really odd and and, and interesting, and it shows that that secretive nature of Apple totally is an extension of Jobs himself. Absolutely, Willy Wonka, man. Yeah. Uh. No, I I totally agree. It, I mean that that's just crazy the Gizmodo thing. I remember following that as it happened, and it yeah, was same. man, I felt so bad for everyone involved there. They didn't know what they were getting themselves into, and man, most companies wouldn't care. Like like Steve said, when he got advice about it from consultants or whatever, they said just let it go. You're Apple, yeah. you'll get through this. Most companies would, and they wouldn't even acknowledge that it happened or whatever, and they'll just say it wasn't our phone, it was a prototype, whatever. You know, Steve yeah. was so pissed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm surprised not more has come of it. But um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with it. But I mean, just them taking down blogs and and, and Apple rumor blogs and all that. Uh, they just hated that stuff. They hated leaks. And Steve Steve had no room for error in anything that they did. And I really don't think it affects them at all. I don't think it's gonna affect why anyone would would or wouldn't want to buy an Apple product, like whether they know about it ahead of time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make them any less great uh, when they come out. But, man, I want to talk a little bit about Apple after Steve because we're speaking on a day right now. Uh, this episode is released on a day of an, the next Apple keynote. Uh, the September the 9th, they're doing an Apple TV keynote and the next iPhone. And, man, it just hasn't been the same since he since he left. I don't know if y'all have paid attention to yeah. Apple. In yeah. The I still days. watch the Tim cook ones. I'll yeah. probably watch tomorrow. I was in the Apple store dad. I smashed my screen over the weekend. So I had to get that repaired. And so the, I think and, the Apple watch, I think it was the Apple watch, but that was the first product that wasn't jobs like, uh, the iPad mini and products, you know, the, the next MacBook and incarnations and that stuff was jobs had input on because, you know, they work in three year cycles or whatever it is. But, um, I, I'm interested to see the next wave, the the jobsless wave of Apple. Um, you know, yeah, I think it's that's interesting. Work out. I think the the iPhone six is an incredible phone. I do. Too, like yeah. it's their most incredible one. I mean, obviously they get better and better, and better, but I think it's the most revolutionary one um, since the three G. And the fact they kind of went back, it's bigger, but it went back to kind of that original rounded design. Though I love the iPhone. Um, Four design that they kind of stuck with the five is cool, but you know I was looking at them today when I was in that store. Just you kind of serendipitous, serendipitously was in the like I said, smashed my screen over the weekend. Went to get a repair. Was there for like an hour and a half, and you know just looking around at those, it's it's easy to say they've they've lost a step post Jobs, but you know that's an incredible product, you know, and and uh, it, it it certainly will be interesting. The next two years are so crucial for them. Not that not. In terms of company, that company's going to be around forever. They have so much cash um, in offshore accounts that uh, <laughs> that they're not going anywhere. But but from you know, it's, it's just it, Ireland. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, it's not one of those weird countries. <laughs> um, my mom was it's probably there. just a sheep farm. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see the six one tomorrow or the six S or whatever it's going to be. Will be interesting to see what they add to it. But it's such a beautiful. Um, piece of machinery, really, it, it really is. Um, it's it's definitely put them. You know, they they had a rough few years there with the five and five S. They were still had a great market share, but but you know, HTC and Samsung and and those Droid guys were certainly catching up. And I think they just 
you know, pooped on him with the six. Yeah, no, exactly. And I'm excited for um, the iPhone 7 because I feel like they do all their biggest reveals every, like they did 2007 was the original iPhone. The iPhone iOS 7 was the biggest redesign of the software. Mm -hmm. And so I think the iPhone 7, they're going to push that. They're like, seven, seven, seven. Yeah. The third seven is going to be the iPhone 7. It's going to be just blow us away, hopefully. I'm waiting for the next. Like, it's still the iPhone. I mean, yeah. we're almost 10 years past the original one, and it's still inherently yeah. the same device. But I, I look at Apple, and, and they kind of touch on it in this documentary, um, kind of like the Mercedes S-Class. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a Mercedes that it's inherently been the same car forever, just with minor tweaks, you know, like yeah. the same silver car or whatever. And I think the iPhone will be the same way. It'll be the same device, just it'll just get refined over time into the best version it could be. So I really don't hope it'll, I hope it won't change much, honestly, because people don't want it to change. They like it, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. So I want to touch on a couple specifics of this Gibney wise that I thought was, was interesting. So they, they talk a lot about uh, Jobs' obsession with Bob Dylan, right? And so. Mm-hmm. They have the times they are changing speech at the keynote and some other ones, right? And it would have been really easy to throw in like some 60s folky or maybe early rock and roll Dylan. But he goes with like the Rolling Thunder Review, mid-70s, you know, like our eye makeup on his face with a circus <laughs> going on behind them, Bob Dylan, sh- you know. And the, a lot of them live cuts of, of, of some of the 60s songs, but, uh, you know, done mid-70s Rolling Thunder Review, late 70s, whatever. And uh, I think that was so good, man. That, like, really spoke to that, like, whirlwind tour de force of, of jobs. You know, yeah. when they come in with that version of Watchtower, and it's just, like, nothing yeah. but just, like, fiddles and craziness. What a cool yeah. score. Or not score, but soundtrack. Yeah, uh, and it comes and it stops It stops abruptly into, like, a yeah. Zen temple. That was perfect yeah. filmmaking right there. That, that was, was like awesome. a Gibney. I was like, I almost tweeted him. It was like, that moment was, Yeah, he would have known. He'd be like, yeah, I know, bro. <laughs> like that was uh, how it just showed the, the contrast of Steve, how he loved that stuff, but he also yeah. like was in a temple a lot, you yeah, know, like uh, meditating and things. So wow. And then the uh, the the Cat Power song on the end credits. Oh God, that's such a great song. It is so well used there. Um, yeah, I love that song. That song should be in everything. Um, and then so and then one other thing, I thought that the the best synopsis of kind of the best Jobs talks on and on about the poetry of things. The best synopsis and the best scene in the movie, I think, is the last minute when it has that it's focusing on a Japanese garden and it goes on and talks about the contradictions of jobs and yeah. talks about he's an artist who suck, seek perfection, every little thing. And it has this great line. It said he had the focus of the monk, but none of the empathy. That's a great line. Oh, I love I love yeah. that's a talked, great yeah. line. I love that when they talked about how he was the monk for Apple. Like, yeah. That really yep. made a lot of sense when you talked about enlightenment earlier, Richard, about yeah. his enlightenment for Apple and for what Apple was going to be was it's remarkable the way he saw the future. And totally. and, and the, the line Steve talks about in his early years and in his 20s, you know, our age or younger, talking about the implications of the computer revolution and how it's going to have far more impact than, than petrofuel has had on us, which Eric, Eric I mean, uh, Richard and I were at a wedding of a friend who works in petroleum engineering and he'll, he'll be the first to go, you know, talk to you, but shout out Eric. He'll be the first yeah. to tell you about how plastic and petroleum is in everything we use, you know, like, but, yeah. uh, the, the fact that, uh, computers have, you know, the world runs on computers now, let's be real sure. and cell phones. I mean, if 
the internet stopped. I mean, Tal Park did a bit on it. The world would end almost, you know. <laughs> so it's a cytoplasm. It's an ectoplasm. Ectoplasm. Uh, so going California way. <laughs> looking for some internet. Um, so no, that yeah. was great. But that focus of a monk with none of the empathy is a great. That's your yeah. that's your line right there. And then uh, it does that great thing where it says that you know he wanted us to see this beautiful garden, but only through where only he held the key and it pans out and it shows that this beautiful image you're looking at is actually on an iPad screen. It's great, right? And then it goes to, uh, it's a great gag. And then it goes to the, uh, the iPhone. He talks about his relationship with the iPhone and about how the true nature mm-hmm. of it is when you look at it when it's blank and you see yourself. Yeah. And, you, and, you, <laughs> and, you, and that is how you, know, how you should inspect uh, your relationship with this device. And you see yourself when it's blank, but the minute you hit that home screen, you don't anymore. And it kind of shows this foggy image of I think it's Jobs, but it also could be Gibney because you just see this kind of faint mustache. It might have just been the computer I was watching on, but it kind of to me was ambiguous up to which it was. And then the Apple logo comes on right yeah. in the middle of the phone. Boom, and the movie. Gosh, that's about as good of an end of a documentary as I've seen ever. And yeah. uh, that got me on fire for like an hour. That was great. The movie went from you know a certain grade to another one in that last minute. The, just fa- fantastic filmmaking there. I'm I'm in total awe. Yeah, they, they tried to make a big deal out of out of uh, the fact that he named his uh, one of the Max Lisa. Yeah, and they like tried mm-hmm. to hold that against him so much. And I don't know, I don't see why that was ever a deal or a big deal. Shouldn't ever be a deal. He named named it what he wanted to name it. It's a, it's a name of a computer, you know. And people were mm-hmm. like talking about how self centered he was that he named it after his daughter or whatnot. I mean, who cares? It was a name of a machine, you know. Um, like, would you consider that a fault? The the fact that the Lisa was named the Lisa. I don't think that. I mean, the Lisa sucked because it was a sucky computer. I don't think it was name because <laughs> it was a Lisa named Lisa. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know why they had to. They they made him try to seem villainous there, and it didn't really make yeah. make sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, it does these they're, weird. They're trying. They were kind of pulling for stuff to, to to get on for Steve about, and I was like, really? That's sure. I don't. I don't think that's in the top twenty things that Steve should be. Um, you know, yelled at for or whatever, but, uh, what else we got? Any other scenes stuck out to you guys? No, uh, they talked about the blue boxes a mm, lot. That was cool. interesting. Um, a little Waz action. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how they portray Waz in the, okay. In, so in the new one a little because, news that came across literally within the last few hours. So Waz has seen, uh, the Danny Boyle film. Okay. At tell you right. I believe Uh big fan says it's the best interpretation of anything, of who Jobs was and who he was at the time of anything he's seen. He said the actor's performances are incredible. He's only seen rough cuts, but is completely in awe of the film. Seen it twice. Good. Wow. That makes me happy. Uh, And and, And he segued away with Kathy Griffin. (laughs) And Seth Rogen plays him in the the Danny Uh, Boyle version. I thought it was Topher Grace. What a bummer. (laughs) No, it's Danny Masterson, as we all know. (laughs) But Kurtwood Smith is incredible as, uh, (laughs) as Tim Cook. So <laughs> the whole cast is that's all I can say. It's really weird when Vilder, Wilmer Valderrama was Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah. I kind of thought that was a stretch, but yeah, they do the uh, I'm not there kind of yeah, Bob Terry thing. Gilliam bit. Yeah, which, where yeah. they all play him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the entire cast of that 70s show. That would have been a yeah. funny bit. Yeah. Laura Prepon's version was not my favorite. No. Neil Kunis, surprisingly good, though. <laughs> So what did we think of this? Richard, you, you seem pretty high on it. Was this was going clear or this better for you? Yeah, so I had the opposite uh, kind of anticipation level. I was more t- excited for, for going clear. 
Um, and then I, the Sinatra one I watched too. Did you ever finish that one, Kent? I have not. No. Okay. Sinatra one, uh, two, uh, also on HBO. But uh, so I had a higher anticipation for that. I would say I think I like this one more. I really do. Wow. This one, this one, uh, you know, maybe just by because of their their nature, going clear was so based on that Lawrence Wright book, and. I had, you know, I read, I read the Jobs book, and I read this one, and that one was. This seemed a lot more original, and not that this is based on the the Isaacson Jobs book, but still covering the same subject matter. It's it was enough removed from it. It felt like a unique experience, and uh, and whereas that one felt like a documentary version of the book. So uh, while both are great, I think I think I love this one. This this was great. I really think this might be my top ten for the year. I, and its reviews aren't nearly as high as that as that one, but uh, I yeah. really liked it. Yeah, I, the the Boyle one is actually is actually based on the yeah, the similar. Isaacson book, so I expect to be. I, I actually have the this, this screenplay for it, and I haven't read it because it, it's too tempting, though. Yeah, I don't have read, to read it. it. Don't read it. Watch I'll read that. it after the fact. Yeah, read it after. I, I'll, I will absolutely read it after the fact. But yeah. let that Sorkin dialogue pop for you once. I that you wait. owe it to yourself. I cannot wait. That's only a few weeks away, by the way. The the premiere of that. Yeah, I can't. Uh, it's good, man. I. I love Fassbender. It, it might be a big year for him. He might. It was Producer that Stephen's favorite yeah. actor, Michael Fassbender. Really? He's great. Man, he's beautiful. Wow. So he always does him that he's beautiful too, which I was like. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for it. And um, Brian, what what are your closing thoughts on this, Doc? Yeah, I thought it was very good. I I liked Going Clear better. I I was I won't I don't want to say entertained by that by because that's that's definitely the wrong word. But I I was more a little more enthralled by that one. Than I was uh, Steve Jobs. I also thought I thought Going Clear was a little more uh, a little more Gibney, like actual. I, I I didn't I don't know how to put that. I I thought he did a he did more of a director's job on that one than he did on this one. If that makes sense, just personally, I like. I had the opposite not saying you're wrong i had just had yeah, the opposite no, I, feeling with it because to me this one felt almost like a personal essay on steve jobs yeah whereas that one true. felt like a documentary of it that's totally just my no, opinion that, no you're you're, uh, you're right I, I i guess i just i preferred his direction on not that yeah, this one was sure. bad by any means i just i preferred the going clear was just the most one of the most fascinating documentary experiences yeah. i've ever had like that was a subject matter i think yeah, no matter how cool yeah, jobs it is he's still just a ceo of a company yeah. not you know an entire religion so i, I get yeah. that that movie was like a reminder of like oh this is why i love documentaries like that was just such a great yeah. great film and this was very very good as well i just i i think i prefer going clear yeah it's gonna be interesting to see where these if any of these end up for I don't think Going Clear will be Oscar Best Doc nominated just because of the conflict of interest there with Hollywood and the Scientology community. Yeah. I don't think they would do that, would they? And did it Did it do film like a, a theater run or was it all HBO? I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, it did, I think it, it was pretty – yeah, it was very it did theaters, yeah. Okay, okay. So, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, this one sets the stage well though for the next – last, hopefully yeah. final jobs yeah. affair. I think I'm more interested in that than anything else is just how those two things go hand in hand. Cause I think you can get like such a complete picture of Steve jobs between those two things. And I'm, I'm very interested to see if they work together instead of in opposition. Absolutely. Can't wait. Uh, all right. Well, let's give grades here, Richard. Uh, I'll go with the day plus. Wow. 
I, I think uh, I liked going clear more just because I think it brought more to light. Um, this was very well done, though, and I appreciated the effort that was put into this. But and a lot of this gonna... has been talked about before, but not talked about it in this way. So, uh, yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and say for any of you that say I like some like Jobs, uh, Sycophant or something, watch the documentary first before you send me those tweets because I think you'd be surprised <laughs> at how critical the film is of him. But I, yeah. I like Jobs. I think he's interesting and, and was an important figure. But the, the film is honest and real and, and, uh, and great. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's move on. Oh, I gave it an A, by the way. Uh, Brian, what do you give it? Uh, I'm going to go A minus. So we'll just we'll just be right across spectrum the A spectrum of A's. Yeah, cool. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh let's hit a recommend. Weekly recommends. Okay, Richard, recommend. Uh yeah, so it's it 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 happened last night, guys, as this episode comes out. Uh the late show, Stephen Colbert. Wasn't it great? <laughs> it was great. I <laughs> Didn't you? Uh, the fact that Clooney came out fully nude, I think, was right. impressive. Now it, we're recording this uh, on a on a Tuesday night. The, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert comes on in about uh, an, an hour our time, uh, but we're excited for it. I'm going to go ahead and make it my weekly recommend. Um, I, I drank out of my Late Show with David Letterman coffee cup today for good luck. I also, hey Kent, met uh, Rayfield Wright today, former Cowboys. Nice. Great. Yeah, right Ring Fantasy of Honor draft. member Rayfield Wright. Ring of Honor member Rayfield Wright. So shook his hand, gave me some little good juju going into my uh, fantasy draft. Very nice uh, gentleman. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so good day for me, uh, but better day for Colbert and an even better day for America. Man, I can't wait to dive into the, the late I'm sure show you and I will be Colbert. texting. You going to watch live tonight? I'm going to try to, yeah. I'm going to have to stream it because I don't have my terrestrial oh. television hooked up. I, I'm all, I'm, I cut the cord, guys. I'm wow. only I'm only uh, internet. We're talking here, about so. it here. It's, in a, the, it's uh, an experiment that I'd love to, to, to share with help. you on the uh, on the show someday. But it's been about four months now with no cable, and uh, it's been it's been good. Like, I would encourage I would, you guys to do the same thing. I would do it so fast if sports would let me do it. When like, Brian says sports, he means it's code for HGTV. Right. right. No, you can. I think you can watch HGTV on like Apple TV or something, but. Uh, but you have to have sports. a cable subscription to it. It's sports. That's what kills me. Sports. The sports. The sports. sports. Maybe that could. Maybe we'll be the Steve Jobs of streaming sports, guys. Yeah, we Let's should. To work. No one's working on that, right? Yeah, I'll just yell at you guys the whole time, and you yeah. guys come up with something. Can't you can code, right? I'll wireframe. Sure. Let's do this. Let's do it. All right, I'll take credit for it. Okay, cool. Uh, Brian, Brian, what's your recommend? Yeah, there is an album that came out, uh, I don't know, six weeks ago or so that uh, is from one of my favorite artists, and I just hadn't had a chance to. I bought it the day it came out, but I hadn't had a chance to uh, really dig into it until this last couple weeks, and uh, it is Jason Isbell's Something More Than Free. I recommended Southeastern, his last album, uh, I don't know, last year or a year before, and it really might be my favorite album of all time. This one is, I don't think you can say it's quite as good, but that's hard to compare what I think might be the, my favorite album of all time to something else, you know? So uh, it's very, very strong. He is an incredible, incredible lyricist. And uh, it's very Americana, what country should be, I guess. All in uh, Pennsylvania Dutch, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. He's in costume the whole time, too. Um, <laughs> cool. a, so anyway, it's very, very good. I would highly recommend it. I'm going to see him in Nashville Next month, and I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. But uh, go to Nashville Jason, on Thursday, Brian. Any nice. I've never any recommends. Um, I've only been once, and I did touristy things for like 
four hours. That was it. I was there for a okay. wedding. So check out the Ryman. You should go buy the Ryman just just to see it because it's any listeners cool. in Nashville. I'll be in your in your fair city uh, yeah. this coming weekend. Send me shoot me a tweet and and recommend a uh, a, a restaurant or two. I would I would appreciate that. Sweet, sweet. Uh, I'm going to recommend a show on Netflix, guys. What? It's called Narcos. Have y'all oh. watched it yet? Dude, I haven't watched it, but I'm stoked. Everybody who's talked about it has, has had great things to say. You guys will like it, um, man. I hope you. I hope you will like it. It's. Yeah. It's, uh, it's. I've been watching. I'm on episode seven now. I think. How and many are about, there? I think there's twelve. Okay. In the first season, so uh, yeah, it's a Netflix exclusive show. It's about the Pablo Escobar family. It's sort of a Breaking Bad version of okay. the Park Pablo Escobar. How is uh, Vinny very Chase well. in it? Is he good? <laughs> He's very good, actually. Okay. Actually, the entire Entourage cast is good, but I don't want to spoil anything for you. Can't wait. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's just something. It's Johnny really... Drama plays Juan Escobar, the brother of Pablo Escobar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That was a movie that came out this year, guys. Just don't forget that. I know. It's gonna... it's, it's We don't make fun of that one enough. We, I, know. You know, the, I know. The... The producers of Entourage should thank God every day that Now You See Me exists and yeah. Draft Day. Yeah, I agree. And Fantastic Four. And Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> Y'all need to get on Narcos. We need to talk about it on the show. So. Okay, we'll do it after. I will. Yeah, that'd be great. So that's my There's nothing coming out this fall and winter, so we should probably... <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing, yeah. yeah. Or you should dedicate a whole week to it every night. No. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for sticking with us, listeners. You know, this is a dry month. We're doing some documentaries and some throwbacks and some recaps and stuff. We try to put out content for you. That's cool. Uh, I know the movies aren't as sexy as they are in the fall and the winter, but we have some great stuff coming. Yeah, Black Mass, guys. Yeah, right around the corner. I can't, I, I'm, besides Star Wars, I think that might be my most anticipated movie for the rest of the year. I really think that's going to be great. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it'll be as good as people say it or – they're just going to be glad it doesn't suck rather than it's going to be good. I, you know, like I, I think, um, I'm still skeptical about it though. I know you're I all say in, that Ryan. the crow from, um, the crow from Lone Ranger saw it and said it's fantastic. Big fan. Big fan of it. Army hammer. Not a fan. It's weird. <laughs> he was an Yeah. <laughs> um, big year for army hammer, by the way, come back all the way. <laughs> Man from Uncle Entourage, things are looking up. I mean, he's had nothing. Deuce Entourage. He's had nothing but big years. <laughs> I mean, gosh, man, I feel bad for him on Lone Ranger. Yeah. Like that's that is absolutely a role you take, absolutely, and it just is such a terrible movie. We don't talk about that. Did movie I anymore. tell you that Kornheiser met Army Hammer a few months ago and told him he was a big fan of his twin brother? <laughs> How wow. awesome is that? That's, that's American crazy. treasure quality. Yeah. Right there. So the joke was a little bit lost on him. He just walked off. So, <laughs> AT, Mr. Tony, keep it real. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, um, next week, what are we talking about, fellas? Uh, that's a Holy great no. question. We still got another week until a movie comes out. So, probably, maybe a throwback. Send us, a throwback. Listener, send us a recommendation. The visit? We're not doing the visit. Are we doing that? I think it's Shyamalan. I think it would be good. It's, we can't spoil a Shyamalan original. How are we going to talk about it? I say sure. throwback. If we get enough tweets, okay, we're going to hold you guys hostage. 
or I suppose you'll be holding us hostage, listeners. If yeah. you tweet us a bunch of throwback stuff, we'll we'll take each tweet or email or whatever as a vote, and we'll give you that information here in a minute where to, where to send those. And whatever wins, we'll do. If there's, but if we don't get any feedback from you guys, we will do a visit episode. So we will have to watch the visit. <laughs> so I think Kent wants to watch the visit. We don't. I think Rich- it would be a fun po- podcast, regardless of how good it is. Okay. We never had a Stroma on talk, have we? No, God. Oh, yeah, we did. We did that. Oh, no, we didn't. We didn't freaking do an episode on it. <laughs> yeah. Kit made us watch the MD After Earth movie. Did not make you do anything. I can't uh, make you. Yeah, you said, it's we're doing an episode on After Earth. Yeah. I'm going to London. Uh, oh, yeah. And then I went to London and didn't English see it. For a yeah. while, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> you had a fake English accent, and you were like, oh, guys, I'm sorry. I'm going to be out here. Maybe we'll go see After I Earth. I think my vote was to do a Now You See Me episode instead of that. And I think <laughs> I made the right choice. You were, yeah, I was, I'm still mad at you for that. Yeah. Mm. So no visit. You don't want to let's, can we see what the box office is? Cause if it makes $3 million, then I don't want to waste it. It might time. be better to talk about it then. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we'll do it. That's we'll fair. Wait. But so, still, still tweet still us. Throw some throwbacks at us because if we don't do it next week, we'll do a throwback at some point soon. Yeah. yeah. And we want to know what you guys want to see. Cause we get suggestions all the time, but they're kind of scattered. So We'll say we'll open the pipes up Wednesday until the end of uh, this coming Sunday, the whatever that is, um, the twelfth, thirteenth, the thirteenth, Sunday, September thirteenth. Send all your tweets and emails to us uh, at madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail dot com or m a m underscore podcast or any of our individual uh, Twitter handles, um, and send us your throwbacks and we'll we'll do one. We'll do a fan voted throwback. What do you guys say? Sounds yeah. good. Let's do it. All right, uh, Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12, and you can occasionally find my writing at uh, almost at my old website at themadaboutmoviespodcast.com. Richard, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me at Richard Barden on Twitter or at eTrack. Oh, I did it too. Crap. Um, <laughs> um, no, at richardbarden.com. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison and find our show on Twitter at MAM underscore podcast. And if you like what you hear, you can donate to the show and keep the show going at our website. Just click the Donate button on the homepage. And uh, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Leave us five stars if you and like what you note. hear. Let us know what you think. And send us a note. Yeah. Shoot, shout out, and uh, we'll see you next time at the cinema. Cinema. <laughs>